Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Tonight, I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you tonight on a matter of faith. I'm going to talk to you tonight on this subject. How big is great? How big? How big is great? You see those nets there? That's something that you might catch a fish in. How big is great? It's important that you identify how big great is. John chapter 21 in there, verses 1 through 6, it says it this way, amen. You got it? You don't have it, okay? You know why they don't have it? Because I didn't do it right. I didn't make it yellow. I made it red. He didn't do my red, so I'm going to read it for you, okay? John, if you can find John chapter 21 back there, I'd appreciate you pull it up, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to turn here to my Bible. And read it. I don't know how long it takes to pull that up, but if you can pull it up, please do if you can't. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples. I've always said, that's me and you. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We go also with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. I'm a little loud. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, ye shall find it. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Yes. Verse 8. And the other disciple came in a little ship, for they were not far from land. They couldn't even come to shore in the ship. It was so full. As it, as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes verse 11 Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes everybody say great fishes everybody say great fishes didn't say they were little didn't say they were small and inadequate said they were great fish this is not a fisherman's story this is a bible story when I think of great fish I think of what swallowed Jonah great fish 150 and 3 and for all there were so many yet was not the net broken everybody say great fishes 
My subject tonight is how big is great. You kind of know where I'm headed already. How big is great? Turn to somebody and say, we've got a world in the middle of catastrophe. But we have a God that's bigger than all the catastrophic events. God is bigger than all the problems. God's just setting us up for something great to happen in America. I believe that with all my heart. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. One fisherman I heard about got tired of people doubting his veracity, truth-telling. So he bought a scale and he took it with him to his favorite fishing hole. And he insisted on weighing every fish that he caught just to prove that he didn't exaggerate. Months later, his wife had a baby. And the doctor borrowed the man's fishing scale to weigh the baby. And the doctor gasped. I've never seen a newborn baby, he said, that weighed 50 pounds. Someone said that the difference between a hunter and a fisherman is that the hunter lies and waits and the fisherman waits and lies. Someone else asked, what happens to lying fishermen when they die? The answer is they lie still. You'll catch that after a while. There's a wonderful story in John's gospel. I think it's one of the most glorious stories that a person could ever read. If you want to read something phenomenal, go home tonight and read the 21st chapter of the book of St. John. Jesus, after his resurrection, had already appeared two times, and this was his third appearance. Seven disciples gathered at Galilee, and fishing was their trade. Jesus was absent. So it was back to the basics. This is where he found us. If he's alive, maybe he will find us again here. They didn't know what to do with themselves. Life had become cyclical. Life had become a cycle. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. Anyone up for that? And he got six more to go with him. Seven fished. Seven disciples fished all night. And they caught zero. Absolutely nothing. So Jesus appears and stands on the shore early in the morning and he tells them, you need to cast your nets on the right side of the ship, the other side. What he was saying was, I need you to have a turnaround. I need you to do a 180 for me. I die on a cross, I'm buried, I rise again and you go back to fishing in four days. I'm ready for you to make a turnaround and decide if you're going to serve me or serve that. And when they turned around and cast their nets on the other side of the ship, they caught a great draught of fishes. And they bring them to shore and they start counting them. And the Bible said there was 153. Everybody say 153. In the nets and for all the fish, yet the net break not. Bible also says in verse 11 that the net was full of, you ready for this, great fishes. Great fishes. 
This had happened before. Luke 5, Jesus takes Peter's boat, launches out a little bit from the shore and teaches from it. Then he tells Peter to launch out into the deep for a draw to fish, and he does. And the nets break. Yet three and a half years later, same sea, same man, different results. The reason is threefold. First of all, Jesus is seen in Luke 5 as a teacher. He's seen in John chapter 21 as a miracle worker. The second reason, he's a pre-cross Christ versus a post-cross Christ. And the third one, the third reason, he's an earth walker versus a resurrected Savior. Tonight I want to ask you, how do you see Jesus Christ? Do you see him as a teacher or do you see him as a miracle worker? Do you see him pre-cross or do you see him post-cross? Do you see him as an earth walker or do you see him as a resurrected Savior that all power in heaven and earth is given unto him? Matthew 28 and 18. It makes a difference how you look at Jesus. What do you see today in him? The Bible says in John's gospel that the net break not. And there were 153 fish in the net, and they were great fish. Three things. No breakage in the net. That was Peter's part. For three and a half years, he'd been mending those nets, waiting for another chance because they had broken in Luke chapter 5. It won't happen if I get that chance again. How many of you people have been in a situation when God wanted to bless you and you didn't have any net ready to catch what God had to send for you? Sometimes you got to mend your nets. you got to go to work in the, in the barn so you can go to the sea and catch something that God has for you. The second thing is 153 fish in the net. That's God's part. Amen? The third thing is that there's great fish. That's faith's part. When you put our part and God's part and faith part together, you've got a great old draw to fish and the net didn't break and they're great fish and there's 153 of them. It's an awesome thing to work with God in faith. I will say this again. I'm going to say it again. I can preach this gospel until I'm blue in the face, but I won't do it. I used to, but I won't do it anymore. But I will tell you this, that if you mix faith with what I preached with you tonight, to you tonight, if you just receive this, not as a word from a preacher, but as the word from the Lord through a preacher, if you'll accept this in faith tonight, there is no telling what God will do and can do and wants to do in your life for you tonight. I'm talking about faith in God. Everybody said, everybody say, everybody's given the measure of faith. Bible never says a measure. It's the measure. Everybody's given the measure of faith. You've got faith in you. Everybody's got it. It's how you use it. Somebody said, well, how are they always up? Because they use the faith that God's given them. Why am I always down? Because you don't use the faith that's God's given you. I'm telling you, it's how you view what God has put into your life and into your heart. Amen. We believe that God can do anything in this church. When you walk in this house... There is nothing that God cannot do and he wants to do for you. So when you walk out of here, you need that kind of thought process to face tomorrow with. That's right. That's right. That's right. So I've got a question for you tonight. 
How big are the greats in your world? The Bible called them great fish. How big is great to you? The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, they are as big as you name them. They are as big as you name them. You know, there were four boys in Babylonian captivity in the book of Daniel. Four of them. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and there was Daniel. Now, the Babylonians gave to those three Hebrew boys, gave them Babylonian names. Because their names were really Azarel, Mishael, and Hananiah. But they called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel was known as Belshazzar. But he called himself Daniel. There's a difference. I know those boys were brought out of the fiery furnace. And I know Daniel was brought out of the lion's den. But there's a difference in how they viewed themselves in Babylon. Because three of them let them change their name. But Daniel would not let them change his name. He wrote under the name of the Hebrew name Daniel. You know why? Because he wrote a book. He was the one that wrote the book. And he said, I'm not going to confuse people that understand faith when they read my book. I want them to understand that even in Babylon, I'm going to be Daniel. My God have mercy. Even when, oh, even when things are not going well, I'm still going to be Daniel. Even when I'm thrown in a den of lions, I'm still going to be Daniel. I will never be Belshazzar. There's some people that every time a situation comes in your life, you change winds and you change sails and you change all kinds of identification. Either you are a child of God or you don't believe that you're a child of God. As for me, I'm writing a book. I am who I am. I love what I am in God Almighty. Either God's good when everything's bad or he's not good when everything's bad. Can I preach a little bit tonight? Somebody needs to understand. It doesn't matter if you cross a county line, you're still who you are. My father-in-law used to tell my wife when she went out on a date, he said, honey, remember what your name is. You're a Christian in that car with that young'un, just like you're a Christian at church on Sunday. Hell wants to change our names and make us be called by another name. But if you're wanting faith to reign in your life, no matter what car you get in, no matter what condition you get in, no matter what shape you get in, you're still the name of a God-called Christian. You know, it's an amazing thing when men are captured in war and they are put into prison. All they have to ever share is name, rank, and serial number. That's all they ever have to share. They don't have to share anything else. And when they come out of that, even if they've been in prison for seven, eight, ten years in military, in military imprisonment, they do not lose their rank. They do not lose their stripes. They do not lose their name. They don't lose what they're about and who they represent. I want to tell you something. It does not matter to me 
and to God how deep you have gone in the recesses of problems and troubles in your life. When you come out of that, don't you have a different name and a different belief system? Don't you have a different name, a different belief system? You walk out of there saying, I'm still Daniel. I'm still Daniel. And I want people down the road when they see my coffin and when they talk about me down the road that although hell assailed me, I still set my sail for Jesus Christ and I walk in faith every day of my life. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands all over this house right now. Everybody say, God's a great God. Everybody say, we want a great church in 2013. We want a great choir in 2013. We want great youth group in 2013. We want great children's ministry in 2013. We want a great revival of souls in 2013. We want great prayer warriors in 2013. We want great faith people in 2013. We want people that even though they're tried by fire, they're going to come forth as pure as gold. How big do they have to be for you to call it great? Great, 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 great. Speaking points, I got three of them. Number one, we no longer have to lie about the one that got away. What do you see? Ten spies in the Old Testament saw obstacles, while two saw opportunity. Ten spies said the houses look great, and the vineyards look great, and the wells were great, but the people were giants, so they were great, and we were grasshoppers. Everything that they saw there was great and we were pitiful. Everything was great but the people. Perception was what is important. But Joshua and Caleb said, that all is true. We brought back grapes to show you. But I'm telling you, the God that we serve is greater. It's greater. And we can conquer the land of Canaan, and we can walk in and take victory over our enemies. Let me take you back to John 21, 153 fish and all were great, not a small one in the net, not a throwback anywhere, all count, all great, all important. Let this pastor declare to you tonight that great people still walk into this sanctuary every time the doors are open. It does not matter if you face hell head on today. It does not matter if you're so weak and so tired and so frail by all the stuff that's coming on you. You still walked in here great tonight. There's no throwbacks in this house. Everybody is kingdom conscious in this house. Everybody say, I count. Everybody say, I'm important. Everybody say, I am special. I'm tired of talking about the one that got away. I'm ready to start talking about those that are here to stay. And no matter what happens in your life, you're still Daniel. You're still Daniel. You're still Daniel because you're writing a book about your life. Amen. You count. You count. 
Elijah said on top of Mount Carmel, you need to read it, 1 Kings chapter 18, he said, let not one escape that has seen the fire of God on Mount Carmel. And I know he was talking about the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the groves, but I love the phraseology, don't let anybody leave here. Don't let anybody escape that's ever seen the fire of God. Anybody ever seen the fire of God at church? Anybody ever felt the power of God in this house? I don't want anybody to escape that's ever seen that because we are not for this world for long. We belong to a greater world. We're just passing through. Thank you very much. We'll be out of your way after a while. Amen? I'm looking for a city. So the second point I want to tell you is you've got to do what God tells you to do. Okay? Let's talk about it. Everybody say, do what God tells me to do. Second Kings chapter 3 is a beautiful story. Elisha is a prophet without a miracle. Yet he's a double portion man waiting to explode. He's already received the mantle. Elijah's already been translated. He's already opened the waters of the Jordan by saying, where's the God of Elijah? But opportunity is about to meet preparation, and a miracle's about to happen. If this double portion crowd ever sees the potential in yourself, and you are double portioned because you was born of the flesh and then born again of the Spirit, my God, have mercy. Let me tell you something. It's just great to be alive on planet Earth in America. That's a blessing. You hear me? But the double portion crowd is not only born of flesh, but we have been born again <laughs> of the Spirit of God. Everybody say opportunity is about ready to meet preparation. There's no telling what's going to happen. God told the prophet what to tell the people. They were out of water. They couldn't find water. And God said, tell the people to make this valley full of ditches. And he said, tell them to dig. He said, you won't see wind and you won't hear rain. But in the morning, the ditches will be full of water. And as they're digging, maybe one of those old boys said, oh, by the way, Elisha, how big or how deep do we dig the ditches? And Elisha must have said, how much water do you want? I have used this time and time again, and God has convicted me again and again. Son, how much revival do you really want? How bad do you really want to see a growth in that church? Are you ready to dig? Are you ready to go to work? Are you ready to build? Are you ready to, uh, to sacrifice? Are you ready to do it? Yes, I am. Next morning, enemy saw the blood where the water was. What was a victory to the church, which was water, was a defeat to the enemy, which was blood. So what I'm asking you is what size of miracle do you need? According to your faith, so shall it be unto you. Wow. I love the story. I love the story of Ron who taught a class of mentally impaired teenagers. And he looked at those students' capabilities rather than their limitations. And Ron got them, got them to play in chess and restore furniture and repair electrical appliances. But most importantly, he taught them how to believe in themselves. And these mentally impaired children began to respond to Ron. And young Bobby soon proved how well he had learned that last lesson. One day, he brought a broken toaster to repair in this class that day. He brought it from home, and he carried that toaster tucked under one arm. 
but on the other arm he carried a half loaf of bread. Because that toaster wasn't going to stay broken. He was going to fix it. How many of you tonight, how many of you tonight would be that brave in God that you'll bring a toaster that's broken to the house of the Lord, something broken in your life, but underneath the other side bring something that says, I know God's going to fix me before I get out of here tonight. He's going to fix me. He's going to fix me. He's going to fix me. Oh, I could take off and jump right now. Let me just jump a little bit right now. My, my, my. I'm telling you, God's here tonight to help you. God's here tonight to help you. God's here tonight to baptize you. He's here tonight to give you an overflow. Come on, God's here. God's here. You've got to do what he tells you to do. You've got to do what he asks you to do. And when you do, get ready. Broken things are going to get fixed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, there is a revival without limits. Leave that up. Don't go back to the title. Leave that up. There is a revival without limits. Waiting on churches that understand that great fish are waiting in the water. And God Almighty wants to baptize this congregation. Amen. Amen. Let me just stop and just let me just talk about worship here just a minute. Does anybody in this house just feel like sometimes when I'm preaching or when you're singing with the praise singers just saying hallelujah to us? And I know, you know, I know it's got to be decent and in order. But there comes times when touchdowns are scored in this church. It's not just three or four yard gains. It's touchdowns. When we talk about God healing people of cancer, that's a touchdown. When we talk about God giving you a job that you never thought you was even qualified for, that's a touchdown. When we talk about God taking marriages, taking marriages that were already headed to the divorce court and putting them back together, and I'm watching couples walk in grinning like Cheshire cats, just smiling their head off. That's a touchdown. Sometimes you've got to go past this good job, Pastor, good job, to a point where it's a God thing in you, where you say, good job, God, good job. That's what we've got to go to. We've got to go beyond just applauding a pastor who's preaching faith to applauding a God who's given us the miracles that I can preach about day in and day out in this pulpit. Amen. Wow. I'm sorry to get a little excited. Forgive me. When I see Navy play Army and I see the winner throw their hats in there, they don't care whose hat they get. That's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. That's, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. It's a joy to have the glory of the Lord in the house. Let me preach now. Let me preach. Let me preach right now. Let me preach. There's a revival without limits waiting on the church. Amen? There's miracles beyond your comprehension waiting on the church. 
there's things that are going to unveil themselves in the last days. Let me tell you something. I, I'm just, I, I, know it's, I, I don't preach very negative many times, but I won't be a little negative. This world is about to reel and rock. It's about to shake up. And the only thing that's going to hold steady is the church of the living God. Because the darker the night, the brighter the light shines in the house of God. You with me? And we cannot afford to let the gloom of Babylon destroy the victory that Israel feels in this house here tonight. After all, we're not Belshazzar. We're still Daniel. Amen? We're still people that identify by the name of victory in our life. I read a story one time about a man whose name, he said, my name is victory. I wished every one of us could absolutely identify with that word. My name is victory. That's what my name is. My name is victory. I don't go by defeat. Don't call me defeat. I won't turn around and look at you when you say defeat. My name is victory. My name is winning. My name is champion. My name is conqueror. My name is more than a conqueror. My name is God is with me. That's who I am. Amen. There's three, there's three writers, three writers in the Bible. I, I've got to close here in just a moment. There's three writers in the Bible. One is Ezekiel. Say Ezekiel. One is John the Beloved. Say John the Beloved or the Revelator. And one is a man named Zechariah. Three writers. So, and they're all in different time zones. They're all in different areas. If one was writing in America, the other was writing in China. They're different time zones. They're different places. They didn't read each other's writings. But Ezekiel in 47 speaks of a man with a measuring line. Now, you've got to get this. And he measures from the temple a thousand cubits, and he finds water to his ankles. There's a stream coming out of the, out of the temple. He measures another thousand cubits, and there's water to his knees. He measures another thousand cubits and it's water to his loins. He measures another thousand cubits and it's water to swim in. After that, there's no more measuring. Because you can't measure when you're being carried by something besides your own strength. That's God's hour, not man's. That's God's time, not ours. Stay with me now. Revelation 11. Speaks of a man with a measuring rod in his hand. He measures the temple of God. He measures the altar. He measures them that worship there. Verse 2, he does not measure the outer court, for it will be trodden down by the Gentiles. What God is saying is there's no limit when it comes to the revival that I'm going to send. You cannot measure the Gentile revival. Zechariah, verse 1 of chapter 2, I lifted my eyes again and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Here we go. Then I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what the breadth thereof and what's the length thereof. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth. And another angel went out to meet him and said unto him, Run, speak, this, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as a town without walls. For the multitude of men and the cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be under her a wall of fire round about. And will be the glory in the midst of her. The Bible said that when Jesus came, he tore down the middle wall of partition. 
There were 60 walls in Jesus' day inside Jerusalem. He brought them all to naught. No one is better or worse in the church than the other. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God and grace alone. Amen? Aren't you glad God saved you? Aren't you glad he put us all together? Now here comes Zechariah saying that not only will God knock down the walls inside the city, but he'll knock down the walls around the city and allow people to come into her borders. But only through the fire of God and not through the walls of men. <laughs> I wish I had a house full of preachers right now. Boy, I'd wear them out on this. I'm going to tell you something. We need the fire of God in church. We don't need walls of men. We need the fire of God in church. We don't need theological points from the pulpit. We need the fire of God in church. We don't need walls that we erect and people and gates that people can come in. We need the fire of God. God don't want this city to have walls inside and walls outside. He wants this place to be open. But the only thing that's going to separate the sinner from the saint is the fire of God. And when they come through this fire, they're going to be cleansed. They're going to be made whole. And they're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. You hear me? It's time to take down the walls that separates us from the people that need God. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost in this house. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost in this house. Hallelujah. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost in this church. And when it happens, get ready for miracles of immense proportion. Post-resurrected Jesus has great things in store for the church. The big one doesn't get away. When we do what God tells us to do, there's a revival without limits waiting on us. And let me say something here. One of the joys of preaching to this congregation, I'm almost done. The only reason I'm preaching longer than normal is because I, I got to hold y'all in here a little longer for the people next door. So I got to make up some stuff here in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> I can, but it'll be off the cuff. No, I'm preaching. Listen. The thing that I think is so imperative in this life is that we see God as he needs to be seen. We don't see him finite. We don't see him haltered or diminished. We don't see him bound or chained. We don't see him as a distant being. We see him as someone who is very close to us. And we understand that we're going to have trouble and we're going to have trials. It's going to happen in our life. But the God of heaven is greater than all those things. And if you can ever learn to worship through your situation, through your trouble, through your trial, through your pain, if you can learn to worship Folks, I'm telling you, there is not anything 
that God will not do for you. Because he said, look at my servant Job. Check him out. Check him out. You do what you want to with him. You be what you want to to him. I'll take the hedge down, touch him, but don't kill him. But I'm going to tell you, when it's all said and done, he's going to still be praising me. Because there's something you didn't figure on, devil. There's something you didn't figure on. He's got his own hedge. He believes in me stronger than you can ever imagine. And his kids are gone, and his sheep are gone, and his cattle are gone, and everything's gone, and his wife's saying, curse God and die, but he still believes in me. He still believes in me, and listen to him, though he slay me, listen to him, yet will I trust him. And though the skin worms destroy this flesh, this body, yet in my flesh I will see the Lord. I know my Redeemer liveth. Sometime in your walk with God, You've got to get this God in your life, and he's got to be bigger. He's got to be greater than anything that you're coming up against. He wants to give us a great revival, a great revival, an awesome revival, an awesome move of God. The disciples got into a ship in John 21 that couldn't come to shore. They had to get into small boats to come to shore. Why don't we all get in the big ship and see great things in the kingdom? His name was Hudson Taylor. And he made a voyage one day on a sailing vessel. He was on his way to China. And the captain came to him and asked him to pray for wind. He said, Reverend Hudson, he said, we're drifting without it. And we're drifting toward a cannibalistic island story and Taylor said Hudson Taylor said he said I will pray but you go set the sail he said sir there's no wind they thought he had lost his mind and Taylor said it again I will pray you go set the sail Finally, the captain obeyed him, and the wind blew. They asked Taylor to stop praying because there was more wind than they knew what to do with. The Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set up on, everybody say, each of them. Everybody say, I don't have to borrow nobody else's. I can have my own. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Amen. I'm here to tell you right now, there's a wind that's a-blowing. There's a wind from elsewhere that's a-blowing. God Almighty is doing a work and setting this church up for its greatest revival. For in the last days, the, the former rain and the latter rain is going to come together as one big rain. And you hear me. I don't care how bad things are out there, and they're bad. They're not good. 
And the Korean man's probably getting madder every day because Mr. Obama's kind of calling him out and we're kind of we're testing him right now. And things may be, getting, may be getting worse, but I'm here to tell you, God's setting this church up and the world up for one of the greatest revivals the world has ever known in its existence. You hear me, you hear me, you hear me, you hear me. When it was Almighty God and Lucifer in heaven, guess who won? God kicked him out. He took one-third of the angels, but two-thirds were left in heaven with the Almighty. When it was Jesus Christ in the belly of the earth against Lucifer to get the keys, guess who won? He came out with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Everybody say he's two for two now. It's two for two now. Two for the Lord and none for the devil. And you know what? If he won in heaven and he won in hell, he's not going to lose on earth. He's not going to lose on earth. Everybody say greater. Greater. He's greater. God is greater than anything that happens on this earth. He's greater. How big is great? How big is great? How big is great? Great's massive. No throwbacks. No throwbacks. More than 40 years ago, Pastor John Killinger and I close. Somebody help me, Randy, Twyla, whoever plays here tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Killinger heard a man describe two paintings he said he had at his home. And Killinger said he has never forgotten those paintings, even though he never saw them. One was the figure in Jesus' story of the rich man whose crops produced so abundantly that he decided to pull down barns and build bigger ones. And he said to his soul, so eat and drink and have a great time for tomorrow you die. The caption under this painting was the failure that looked like success. The other painting, a companion painting, was one of Jesus dying on the cross. Crown of thorns on his head, his chin drooping against his chest, and the crude nails in his hands, and all his friends off somewhere in hiding. And the caption under that picture was the success that looked like a failure. Don't let any Babylonian mindset rob you of the faith that you have in your heart.
hide somewhere. The Bible says sometimes he hides his face from the righteous, but that doesn't mean that God's gone away. It means when you find him and you see him and feel him again, you're so appreciative of it. It's a joy to be in the presence of the Lord. Don't take these Wednesday nights for granted. Rejoice in the fact that God meets us here on Wednesday night. He meets us here on Wednesday night. He meets us here on Wednesday night. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. Stand to your feet. I think it would be very apropos if we had just a family prayer here tonight. So I'm asking you. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.